studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd, and I say portable today because we are at Rogers Field at Nat Bailey Stadium for a nooner. Well, we're not on the the field. We're not on the field. No, but we're we're at Nat Bailey. We're adjacent. We're adjacent. Yes. You'll find us later down the uh, third baseline, I imagine. That's right. But we are hyped to be here, man. Oh, this is incredible. It doesn't get better than this. This is like, I know summer technically doesn't start for like six more weeks, but this to me is the official kickoff of summer. I got my shorts on. I got my boat shoes. We're outside. It's a beautiful sunny day. We're at the net. I can smell the hot dogs. I'm loving it. You know on your like weather app in like the winter more? Do I ever. Usually in the winter. Yeah. We'll get the, how hot it is or cold, yes, yes. and it feels like. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah, feels yeah. like is more important. Of course, this being here is like feels like. Oh yeah, it just feels like summer. It feels like summer. Absolutely. I don't care. I don't care what the calendar says. I don't care what the official designation of. Oh, it's not technically summer yet. June twenty first. This feels like summer. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous day. It's traditionally the people show. We always say text it. You know what? Do. Do us one better today. Show up. Yeah. Come say hi. You can text in, too, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message. Yeah, Nooner at the Nat coming up at 1 o'clock. You'll, you'll be able to hear it here on 650. With we Tyler got, Zickel. Uh, yeah, with Tyler Zickel playing the Everett Aqua Sox. Big win. Big blowout win for the uh, Seas last night. So uh, come on down, enjoy yourself at the Nat, and say hi. Yeah, uh, as always, though, you can always be part of the show, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. It's a blast to be here, man. I can't can't wait for the game to get underway, kick into the weekend. Uh, Hopefully we'll see you later on as well. Last time I did a show here, I think it was with you last summer. Yeah, probably. We had some good ones. Oh, yeah. We had some great ones. This is the best part of the summer is coming to do games in the net, man. It's it's fantastic. Especially on a Friday. Somebody's asked me what brand of boat shoes I'm wearing. I I have to admit, I don't know. What? How does... I got to check. I'll I'll get back to you. People already know what... uh... Shoes you're wearing? I feel like they're Aldo. I mentioned I was wearing both shoes. TJ TJ in the Valley says he's looking for some new ones, so he's asking for advice. I'll I'll hit you back, TJ, in the text box. Loafers? Or are they specifically boat shoes? They're called boat shoes. Oh. All right. I see you working. Look at this. Look at this cultural exchange happening here. You always wear those, though. Yeah. Not not during the winter. No, but like around the office. They're my warm weather shoes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't realize... uh, Boat shoes. Yeah. You didn't get the memo today. Me and Dom are yeah, rocking, uh, rocking Jordans. Jays. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not cool enough for that. I, I admit it, and I'm fine with that. But I've, you em- like, I've embraced it. you got to warm up to it, and then you, you, you'll feel cooler as you start uh, rocking them. Because I'm not cool, but I, I wore them. I was like, you know what? This is I get, I get the hype. It's all mystique. That's all it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, all right. Yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about Darnell Nurse and Alex Petrangelo. And you said something that was I, – I stuck with me. Yeah. That it was – if you just removed the fact that we're like, we live in hockey. Yep. And if you just showed the clip to someone else, they said, what, you can do that? And he's like, no, no, you can't do that. But 
what would you do if if, if you saw this? You'd be like, oh, that guy's got to be out. Yeah. But we live in hockey, and we know like this was so predictable. I'm I'm not stunned, and I don't even want to say, oh, I'm disappointed. Like, I feel like this should anger a lot of people, yeah. but no one's gonna get angry. And be like, well, that's hockey. Well, there is there is a fair amount of anger now, and I I, I expect even from the teams, uh, or at least the Oilers, I think there would be a fair amount of anger. It's just so predictable that it's easy to be apathetic. About yes, it. like there were so many people who called this outcome. We're like, oh, they're going to send them both for one game, and they're going to, you know, dust their hands off and say, hey, we did a great job keeping the game safe. It's it's their game management. It's like the referees, what they do in-game, right? Yeah. Oh, there's a scrum here, and rather than really try to sort out, you know, who did what and who should get more of a penalty, we'll toss both guys. Look at us doing our job, coming down on both teams evenly. It's like that's not actually the job, though, right? And it, it just feels like – you're abdicating responsibility, and that's what the NHL did here. They can say, hey, look how fair we're being, but these are two completely, like, why are these worth the same suspension? It makes no sense whatsoever. And also, you know, the NHL is going to say, well, we want the players to decide the outcome, which, hey, like, I agree with that philosophy. But as you mentioned, you're abdicating your responsibility. It's a, it's a false dichotomy, though. Y- you still play you know your I mean? role in all of this. Yeah, and, and it's the same thing in-game. Like, if you don't call a blatant hook on a scoring chance because you don't want to, quote, decide the game, you're helping to decide the game by allowing that hooking to go uncalled. Like, make the call or don't make the call. Either way, you are impacting the game. You can't escape that. If Like, if, if your goal as a referee or as a member of the Department of Player Safety is to avoid impacting the game, that's nonsense. You Fundamentally, the referees are part of the game. Yeah. Player safety is part of the league. Your actions or inaction are going to have impacts. You have to deal with that. You have to live with that. You can't try to say, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do anything. We're not going to exercise any influence here. It doesn't exist. It's an impossible goal. Disappointing, to say the least, uh, for it to come down to one game. And you know this sets up, as I was saying game yesterday six. in the show, potential circus in Game 6. This is Godzilla, King game Kong. Game 6 in Ken Edmonton. Ken saying, like, let them fight. It, 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 That's it, what it and, is. And the NHL, I'm sure, is uh, you thrilled know, about it. Very yeah. excited that they're going to have that sort of spectacle on their hands. Because you know why? And look, I do this because I do it for a living. But I'm going to watch Game 6. Well, of course, everyone is, but I would anyways. It would be an yeah. elimination game one way or another. Because I'm a sucker, and it's like, hey, you know what I want to watch? I want to see what happens. They've they fed right into exactly like the lizard brain have. part of it, and that and that's what they're that's what they're out to do. But but here's what it comes down to: it's like it's it comes down to an integrity of the sport question. Are you policing it correctly? Because now, if the next thing that happens leads to a bigger issue, a bigger injury, a bigger action. That has no respect for your opponent. Well, if if you're like a bottom six Knights player, I mean, like, why aren't you swinging at Connor McDavid? Right? Like, oh, our fourth line left winger is going to get suspended for a game, but we got to take a shot at Connor McDavid's legs. Like that. That's the that's the issue here. That's the precedent you're creating. That's the incentive structure you're creating when you don't punish actions like these. The dangerous world that the uh, NHL has invited with that ruling yesterday. One game for Petrangelo and one game for Darnell Nurse. Uh, as for uh, what happened on the ice yesterday, we'll, we'll get into some uh, Oilers talk uh, in Vegas Golden Knights later. They do play tonight alongside the Panthers and the Leafs. Another walk-home uh, game, mm-hmm. potentially, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, but the Carolina Hurricanes, handshakes last night with the New Jersey Devils. Very unfortunate. Uh, Siegenthaler, puck over the glass. 
really good defenseman. I feel like he had a tougher great, great defense. I, I, I feel like he had a tougher playoffs. He did uh, this year, but just a, a phenomenal player. But when you talk about like modern actual, shutdown, yeah, modern yeah. shutdown, like yeah. you know, he's not Jacob Slavin, but like, in that mold of guys yeah. who are just elite defensive defensemen in the NHL yeah. today. He's 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 really slick and just bad luck uh, for puck to go over the glass mm-hmm. and. Uh, series over, but we wanted to talk about some principles because we do this every time someone's eliminated. We we circle like vultures and we're like, oh, oh yeah, what can we pluck from that roster and lessons that you can learn from the victors as well. So let's start with the Hurricanes because they we, we always talk about like what a unique franchise they are. Yeah, and it's hard to do certain things because you need certain inputs like a coach that plays that way and not just play, wants to play that way. Has the fire and temperament of Ron is Brindamore. capable of doing it. Has the support from the organization, yeah. the uh, the security, all of that, right? And it, it's not just that, like, oh, tactically, like Brindamore's got this idea and he pulls it off. You, you have to have the right uh, button pushing mentality that Rod Brindamore just seems to be perfect at, and constantly gets the most out of his players and pushes them to con- constantly contribute. But what are the things that you try to take away from the Carolina Hurricanes, whether it's team building, style of play, uh, player styles? Like, What principles do you try to take away from Carolina? When I look at Carolina, it's not so much – for me, it's not so much about the style they play. Because, look, hey, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. They've won playoff rounds consistently. I do think it's fair to question – does their style play in the playoffs to mm-hmm. the same degree? Now, I, I hey, had my questions over again, the Again, they're yep. in the conference finals, so look, they're doing something right. But for me, it's not so much about the style of play. When I look at Carolina, we always talk about identity, right? You want to have, you want your team to have an identity. To me, Carolina has the most clear identity in the league. And I don't just mean on the ice, but like from top to bottom, everyone in that organization, starting with Don Waddell and Eric Tulski, and really even the owner as well, Tom Dundon, through Rod Brindamore, through the players, is on the same page and knows what they're trying to do. And every move they make fits within that identity, right? Whether it's letting Dougie Hamilton walk because you know you can plug in Tony D'Angelo, then letting him walk because then you can go get Brent Burns, right? Whether it's, hey, Ethan Bear, we liked him, we gave him a shot, but it's not working out. We're going to sit him and we're going to plug in Jalen Chatfield because he fits our system better. Again, it's not, it's not about mimicking that system specifically but trying to get to that place where everyone is working in concert and all the moves you make fit together and fit with what you're trying to do on the ice yeah i i've used the i word here in vancouver so many times i don't care what the identity is yeah i mean i care a little bit (laughs) we're right because like we're questioning carolina's tactics you know what i mean like what do they put a bit of a ceiling on on what they're doing but look they're they're a lot farther ahead than a lot of teams but, but whatever you are, be the best version of that. Yeah. And for Carolina, again, they haven't won a Stanley Cup yet, haven't been to a conference finals under this regime, or a Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup final uh, under this regime. So, yeah, I do have my questions, but at, at least to what their guiding principles and, are, and, they, you know, they, they yeah. go to the extreme. They, and they, it's not like they're going out in the first round every year. You know what I mean? Like, no. they are winning playoff rounds. So, to be fair. Yeah. So, for, for Vancouver, and, and for... 31 other teams. You know, Tampa, I would say, has their identity. The the constant competition for me is they're the models of grit right now in the NHL. And trying to locate what your identity is is probably the toughest task. And I think in 2023, when we use phrases now 
like culture. That's what I think of. I, I think when 30 years ago when we talked about culture, it was, oh, is the locker room friendly and do guys get along? Mm. And that's what culture is. Yeah. I think Are they out there blocking shots? Yeah. Yeah. And I think over the course of 30 years now, as sports has become more business-like, the money obviously invested in the game mm-hmm. and just principles you can steal from other walks of life rather than just saying, like, this is what we do in hockey. That, to me, that word culture, when I use it now, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, as an organization, do you all pull on the same rope? Do you Have you set standards and have you set uh, ideals to how we do things, and, and does every decision march in the same direction? That to me is what culture now is. Well, is and, and there's the, the the culture that the players set, obviously, which determines the things that we were talking about. But as an organization, you have a huge hand in how you set the culture and what you do, and that to me is the biggest thing uh, that I think people should adapt to. Is when we use words like that. Carolina is a great example of they have a great culture. They know what they're doing. That to me is is what I and look I think at. you know you look at this playoffs specifically right like they they lose Andres Fetchnikov they lose Max Pacioretty earlier in the season for most of the season but because of the system that Rod Brindamore has in place and because the front office is so good at identifying guys cheap guys who can step in right those things work together so you can plug in Mackenzie McEachern right you can bring in Jalen Chatfield on your third pair and you can still maintain a certain level of play because the surrounding environment is so strong because those guys know exactly what they're going to be asked to do and everything else is working together so well that it's a lot easier for a Mackenzie McEachern to step in in that situation than it would be on almost any team in the league it's funny too because yesterday we were talking about because Two days ago, we did the, here are the problems with the, the Garland thing. And mm-hmm. then yesterday, we were like, okay, let's work the problem. I don't know if there's a team better in the NHL that has that principle of let's work the problem, mm-hmm. right? Because we've talked so much about Carolina Hurricanes, finances, and Tom Dundon, and mm-hmm. certain ways that they have principles of, we, we put values on every player, and if it exceeds it, you're out. Yep. And that is them constantly looking forward to say, like the Dougie Hamilton thing is a great example. And- a lot of teams, like the Winnipeg Jets. Lost three defensemen, and it was like, we might not recover. Well, and how many teams would even have the guts to let Dougie Hamilton yes. walk, right? Like, oh, my gosh, how are we, we – we know the contract doesn't make sense on the back end, but, like, how are we going to replace this guy? And the thing is, the mentality they have, it only works if you never cheat it. You know what I mean? Because you can always find exceptions. Like, oh, yes. okay, yeah, like, normally we don't sign this guy. We wouldn't sign this guy to his contract, but he's so important for us, so we're going to do it. But if you're just – disciplined at it over and over and over again, you put yourself in a position to be extremely flexible. And yeah, the Dougie Hamilton one where it's just, okay, we're going to find other options. We're going to find budget options that are out there and it's going to work for us. Because what strikes me too is there's no one right way to do anything. Yeah. We're all trying to get to a stage where we push the Vancouver Canucks with Stanley Cup and the idea is, hey, high draft picks and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Carolina Hurricanes don't do that. They have one high draft pick mm-hmm. on their roster right now. Yeah, it's Sveshnikov. He's not even playing right yeah, now. Yeah, he's not even playing. Yeah. Like, Sebastian Ajo is a second rounder. Mm-hmm. Fantastic player, obviously. And they've done some really good drafting yeah. later in the draft. And I think the biggest thing with Carolina and their drafting is they've had a huge volume of picks. Again, because they're not, you know, they are willing to trade players that other contending mm-hmm. teams wouldn't necessarily, right? They're willing to do things to acquire draft picks that give them that volume at the back end. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's the accumulation mm-hmm. of dozens upon dozens upon dozens of decisions. Yeah. And that's like that's where I come back on the pushback of hey like one player is going to swing everything. Well, let, let's slow our roll. Like how much do you want to compromise for the one player? 
and I, for me, it's like it's it's not that attractive to do that to to flush everything out for one player because you have to build everything back up, and you have to have an incredible success rate to do that. Where this is, this part of what the Carolina Hurricanes do from a transactional point of view is repeatable. Mm-hmm. It's just how far do you push into it? And you re- and it's it's hard to stick with. Yeah. Right? It's really easy to sit here and say, you know, hey, you should trade players before they start leaving their prime. So you trade them at peak value. But then you're in that situation. You're like, okay, yeah, this player's at peak value, but that means they're playing really well, and ah, can we afford to really lose him? And, you know, that starts right at the top. That starts with an owner who, one, trusts his executives to be making those moves, right, and also supports it and understands, okay, in the long run, it might be a little tough for us right now, but in the long run, it's going to pay dividends for us. And this text comes in, uh, Kakaniemi way overpaid. He will be gone soon enough. Every team makes mistakes. Of course they do. Just to clarify, too, we meant using their picks as a top. Uh, oh, yeah. Like their acquisition. Sure. I, I think yeah. that's what the text is pointing but out. Like, but, yes. Yeah, every, and I'm sure if you talked to – any executive yeah. and some member in the front office, they'd say, yeah, we were taking, we were making a calculated risk. Of course there's a chance it doesn't work out. Every team, no matter how smart you are in any sport, is going to have their share of misses. It's just, are you making the smart bets so you come out on the right side more often than not? I, I think if you went across the league, you'd find one miss on, on every team, on every 100%. single team. The thing is, you're allowed to have one miss. Yeah, you can't. You have, find at least one miss, or you can't like, have four. Yeah, or or uh, you'd either find a miss on the roster, or like the replacement for the guy I let go if it yeah. didn't work out, or whatever. You know what I mean? You you would, you're never gonna have a perfect team. And, That's and impossible. In, and in Vancouver, again, like I think you can survive. I, I think in a world, I think Tyler Myers could be on a team that gets to the third round. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You can't have a team that has Tyler Myers, Oliver Ekman Larson, Brock Besser, and expect to get to a yeah. stage. And so now there's multiple misses. I didn't mention Carl Garland. And look, some of these guys are varying levels of well, misses. Well, I think with the possible exception of Oliver Ekman Larson, the version of OEL we saw last year, sure, which was tough, okay? But with that possible exception, like all of those guys, I think, could not just be on a really an elite yeah. team, but like play a role. Like Tyler Myers, third pairing, yeah. but like, yeah, a guy, if you put him in the right system, that you could be confident putting him on a third pairing. Connor Garland is like a complimentary third line player. Like the the comparison I was always thinking of with Connor Garland was the third line when the Pens were going to the Cup. And I'm right. not saying he's Phil Kessel, but like that offensively oriented third line was really important for them. You know what I mean? It's not it's not about like oh these players you just can't you couldn't possibly win with them. It's the accumulation of inefficient contracts for all of them that that ends up killing you. And then it it like this the opportunity cost right? Yeah. It's like now someone's in a spot where this guy can't, and it's just it's hard to do it with four guys, and that's why we always get into these conversations. Like one of these guys has to go, and really the conversation is three of them. But if you can whittle that list of four down to one, suddenly it's easier to see the materialization. And also, while doing that list of cutting the fat out, not adding to it with the next thing that's that's difficult, right? Like you have to hit on the next transaction as well for that player that's now playing that role. Yeah. And Bob and Nanaimo says they didn't move Hamilton at peak value. They let him walk and got nothing except for cap space. Remains yet to be seen if they are doing things smartly. But with that cap space, right, they were able to do a whole bunch of other things, including the Max Pacioretty trade, the Brent Burns trade on the cheap, right? Max Pacioretty, yeah, he was injured, but they also got a young defenseman in Dylan Coughlin. So 
they didn't get nothing. They got the cap space, which is really significant, and they're smart enough to know how to use that to help their team down the road, but also to help their team in the present. And, and, and just as a uh, overlying uh, success rate, like they've been to the playoffs now five years in a row. Yeah. They've won one round the last two years. Yeah. They're in the conference finals for the second time in the last five years now. I understand it's like, like this is a problem I have kind of when we talk like about how many, culture. How many teams in the NHL would kill for that yes. record? Like kill for and, that record. Look, I understand we're all, we all, we all want a cup. Yeah. But this is an, a very impressive run of success. It has to, at some point, finalize with the Stanley Cup. We all get that. Mm-hmm. But this is where, like, ring culture right now is the, the conversations. Yeah. Like, LeBron's got this, and yeah. Jordan's just like, let's calm yeah. down like, a bit. Like, there's nothing to learn from this team until they win the Cup. I, like, I understand the Buffalo Bills have always been a joke from the 90s. Going to four Super Bowls in a row is crazy and deserves a ton of respect. I get it. They don't go over the finish line. But that sort of sustained longevity is unbelievable. Yeah. And every team would fall over themselves to say, hey, at the very least, I'm going to be one of the four teams remaining. Great. Amazing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that. that is just it's, – it's, it's incredible. And then the other thing with the Hurricanes, you know, we were talking about it before the show. I think back to the Moneyball A's, right? They never got over the hump. Yep. Never got over the hump in the playoffs. By the way, another organization sustained yeah, success there. recently. Yeah. Now it's a joke. But anyways – they, they never got over the hump in the playoffs, but they were also operating on, you know, a shoestring budget, to say the least. Like, no comparison. Then other teams, like the Red Sox, were like, wait a second, we're rich. What if we were also smart? Because they're we're smart rich. but poor. We're rich but dumb. What if we tried being rich and smart, and all of a sudden they go and win a bunch of World Series? The opposite goes to the Cubs. Same thing. The Dodgers, rich and smart. Like, all these rich teams are like, wait a second, we can be smart too. And I wonder if, you know, Carolina, it's not the same because of the salary cap and the floor. They're not as, as much of a disadvantage as the A's are, but they're not, they're not a team that's going to flex their financial muscle. And I do wonder if we start to see, like, the, high, the big spending, big revenue teams in the NHL look to adopt and copy some of what Carolina is doing the same way the rich teams looked to the A's and the Rays to steal some of their ideas in baseball. Yeah, because I really think the lesson is their approach – Yes. Not their style of play. I totally agree. I don't, totally I don't, agree. I don't think there's enough players in the league to go around to say, hey, this, we can copy this. Well, there's, you, there's no way you can look at it and say, like, this is the only way to have success in the NHL. There's lots of different ways to have success. So it's, it's not about what they do on the ice. It's about the overall approach and everyone being on the same page. The agreement. We know what we are, and we're going to do the best at it. We're going to stick to it. Vic Nazar and Jamie Dodd on location today as fans uh, start to stream towards our location. Not for us, uh, although we'd love for that to be uh, true. <laughs> We're just being mobbed out here. It's like Beatlemania. <laughs> I, I had to do an on-location show early part of my career Yeah. Uh, uh, where I was uh, doing a show and Olympic gold medalists were next to us. And everyone was coming up to see them. And we're like, if, if you want to come by and get autographs from us, uh, feel free to. Nobody came no, by. No, not a big attraction. No, not a single. We didn't sign one autograph. Hundreds of people came by, but uh, not a single person uh, came by. Uh, all right, we got to go to break. Back on the other side, we'll talk to Chad Dallas uh, from the Vancouver Canadians. Will join us as we get set for a nooner at the Nat. Come by, say hi to us. Things get underway at one o'clock here on Sportsnet six fifty.
Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the show, coming to you live from the Kintec studio, which is on the road today. Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd at Rogers Field and at Bailey Stadium. Hype for a nooner at the Nat, getting underway at 1 o'clock. You'll hear it on these airwaves as well. Tyler Zickel will have the call for you. And if you've been listening, you've... Uh, Two C's games. You definitely heard the name. Chad Dallas. Uh, Chad Cheese Dallas, who joins us now. Uh, we'll get into a lot of stuff, uh, but uh, first of all, uh, congratulations, uh, Pitcher of the Week. Uh, congratulations on that uh, uh, honor and uh, on, on, on the success so far this season. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it out of the way soon. we, uh, we got to get into Cheese. the nickname. Yeah, all right. Let's go to the nickname first. Yeah. Cheese Dallas. Uh, if fans are coming here, they can chant your name, but should they be chanting Chad or Cheese? Cheese for sure, yeah. That's uh, that's been the nickname since seven or eight years old, and um, like I was telling y'all before, I don't even hear Chad from my parents anymore. <laughs> so uh, I've gotten used to it, and you know, I've fallen in love with it. So how how do you get the nickname Cheese at seven or eight years old? Uh, just watching the Goofy movie over and over, uh, <laughs> and trying to um, do exactly what Bobby does in the movie, which I think is the cool kid spray some. Spray cheese in his mouth and howl and say cheddar. And so I did that. My parents stuck it out as started it out as uh, cheddar, moved to cheese, and it has been stuck ever since. So it's not even like high cheese or something like that. It's just yeah, it's so funny because you're a pitcher. It's yeah, like, oh, he's yeah. throwing the cheese pass. No, no, that's not it. That's no, not I, it at all. I don't throw I don't throw hard enough <laughs> for my nickname to be cheese. So I got to ask, like, do you? Are you like a cheese aficionado, or is it just a nickname? Uh, I mean, I I enjoy cheese. Sure. I, I wouldn't right. say I'm an expert or anything, but <laughs> I definitely eat it a good amount. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic! Uh, Chad Dallas, Cheese Dallas, joining <laughs> us here uh, by the table side outside Nat Bailey Stadium, getting ready for uh, first pitch later today after one o'clock. So start of the season, uh, you were here last year. What if you're trying to compare the two seasons? Uh, what stands out to you of what's going on for the club so far? Yeah, this year it's uh, starting out really good. Uh, last year was a good season, made the playoffs. Um, I think this year we're starting out a little hotter than last year. Um, you know, um, got 16-10 kind of, right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, got a little bit of a, a new team, got a lot of new guys from this past draft. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of – we also have a lot of second year or more guys, and so – um, I think that helps a little bit because your first year can be a little challenging. Uh, completely on your own, not really, but, you know, you're not with uh, – it's it's a little different than college. So you're kind of figuring some things out um, as you go. So, uh, But having that experience a little bit to help with the new draft guys helps a lot. As you said, you're a second-year guy. How's it been different for you personally, you know, second time around in the Northwest League here? Yeah, I, I love it. I think um, having the one-year experience has helped a lot because last year – um, like I said, figuring out on my own, there was a lot more mental game than I've yeah. faced before in baseball. Um, so, you know, kind of moving into this year with the mindset of enjoy the little things, control what you can control. Uh, that's really all you can do and let the other things happen on their own. And I think I've came into this year with a much better um, mindset of that and not putting any extra pressure on myself or 
hoping none of the you know none of my teammates do that as well. So what are because we always say you know as media members little things and we talk about them. What are the little things for you that you get to enjoy? The little things are you know just the time. Uh, you never know how much time you have you know in the game or in life in general. So enjoying the little the laughs, the conversation, the success, even the failures. You know you're still getting to play a child's game for. Uh, a job slash career so it's 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 you have to really real sit down and kind of face that instead of you know putting this pressure like oh I need to you know I need to perform well I need to move up quick all that stuff it's you know it's not necessary to think that way because you can't control when you move so just controlling you know your work and then enjoying your time while you're doing that will you know the other stuff will happen one of the things that's interesting about the minor leagues is there's guys coming from a whole bunch of different paths, right? Like you're drafted out of college, some guys out of high school, international players. What's the What was the adjustment like for you specifically coming from college to the Canadians last year? That's a good question. It, You know, um, I think last year was, uh, like I said, the mental game was definitely a big difference. Um, in, in college, I think I had a um, – if I had a – not so good start you know I bounce back uh the next week in college or maybe even you know at least have a better start and last year um it was you know I had a couple that kind of ran into each other week after week and so after that you kind of start doubting yourself questioning yourself and then when you're doubting yourself all you can think about is how can I how can I get up, play better, and move on to the next level? And um, and I think that's you know that can it's a snowball effect when you start getting into the mental game. So, like I said, just sitting back, controlling what you can control, and let the other stuff happen is is a really solid mindset. But it's a hard mindset to keep. For pitchers in particular, is it different than batters? Because you know next day you're you're going up there, three cracks at it, right? Yeah. You're four days, five days off. Is it different than that 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 component of the game? Um, it can be because um. You know, there's pros and cons for each position. I would say as a starter, uh, like you said, only pitch once a week, four or five days off, six days off. Um, if, you know, if you don't, if you're not in the right mindset, it can be, you know, six days worth of kind of putting yourself down or worrying too much about the wrong things. So you have a lot more time to think about the things that happened uh, in your previous outing, but at the same time, like, you still got to find a way to um, get those emotions in check and, you know, try to do that before you start. Uh, I try to give myself five minutes on the game, good or bad, um, kind of go over what I did and then, um, you know, then try to start focusing on how to get ready for the next week. Uh, but like you said, for a position player, it's, you know, they have to get their emotions in check um, literally as soon as they get done because they have to go out and play the field. Uh, so there's pros and cons. You know, they get a lot more chances at it, but they also have to have their emotions in check at all times. It, it, it's something I'm wondering a lot about in, in 2023 with athletes in general is, like, the physical side, you always want to develop those skills, mm -hmm. right? The Jays drafted you for a reason for the physical side. But I just feel like the mental side right now in 2023, we, we don't really focus on it as much of exploring, like, what an athlete can do mentally to reach the ceiling. I think mm -hmm. we focus a lot on the, the mental health side and yeah. securing the floor, but not what a, a guy can do from a grit level, like, mentally. Yeah. Uh, mentality is, you know, can, can make or break you sometimes. And if you have a good mentality – and you don't have your best stuff on the mound that day, your mentality can get you through it. You know, like you said, the gritness, it can get you through an outing if you don't have your best stuff. And that's kind of 
how you try to go about each day, especially if you don't have your, your best stuff. You just try to find a way, dig deep, try to find a way and give your team a chance. So I'm looking at your stat line right now for this year, and you have 37 strikeouts and 26 innings. And I know you were saying you, were, you didn't throw hard enough to earn the nickname Cheese, <laughs> but you're missing a lot of bats. So what's working for you this year? Uh, a lot of spin. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, though uh, – Fastball, curveball, slider, um, and then work, you know, change every once in a while and then working on a cutter. But um, I think for me, being able to spin the curveball and, and the slider for a strike and then for, uh, um, a, you know, a swinging strike is, has been really helpful for me. Um, but that, you know, that goes back with um, teammates helping me with different grips, you know, kind of eyesights. Um, coaches at the same time and then with uh, our catchers as well like we you know we go into a game with a good plan those guys help me out with a uh, a lot with pre-game planning you know kind of how we need to attack and uh, they help me out a lot you know you're talking you, you name five pitches there some of them you're trying to work on like when you say you're trying to add a cutter what's the process like that is it the organization or a coach comes to you and say hey we think this could help is it something you you think about how does that work it can be a little bit of both yeah. uh, you know and it can be one or the other as well uh, we you know we just started talking uh, and we were I think it was a little bit on the fastball uh, last season and then going into this year spring training I was cutting my fastball a little bit on accident and so you know they just kind of wanted to see you know maybe we can do it on purpose and then yep. make them two different pitches um, and so that's kind of what the thought process was and so now it's just you know trying to um, find a grip that's comfortable and then find a you know release everything how you know get a consistent release uh, consistent um, you know target with the with the batter and the catcher and just kind of got to get comfortable with throwing that with a batter in the box and that's all it is fantastic stuff uh, talking to Chad Dallas uh, two and0 on the season uh, two ERA whip under one as well having a great year uh, you, you mentioned you know second season here uh, trying to be part of that group of you mentioned earlier, like guys doing it on their own in the first year, mm -hmm. you can be part of that influence. Say, hey, like we're a team here to do it. Have you seen yourself maybe taking a bit more of a leadership role in the second year? Um, you know, I wouldn't, especially not like by myself, but I try to, you know, if anybody needs help with anything, I try to be there, um, especially, you know, I'm with the pitchers more. So just mm -hmm. talking, pitching, or just, you know, being there to, to listen to somebody, you know, if they're going through some problems or even if they're going through good, you know, just kind of talk what's going good. Uh, the pitchers talk a lot, uh, usually about, you know, kind of what can make each other better. And, you know, we talk a lot. But, um, you know, I think of myself as a leader, but I, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I am the leader. I just try to be myself. Uh, what about life on the road? What's uh, Take us, uh, for fans that are <laughs> listening, uh, what's it like on the road? On the road, uh, hotel living. Usually we get put in a, you know, yeah. a good hotel in a good area of the city. Um, but what are the guys doing on the travel? Is it is it cards? Oh, yeah. Is it uh, video games? What is it? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. car. We play cards in the lobby or on the bus. Some guys will hook up their, you know, their um, gaming devices on the bus. Yeah. Play. A um, lot of funny conversations. A <laughs> lot of card games going on. Who's um, the kingpin on, on the card games? Ooh. I think I think Garrett Spain may know most of the games. Like he knows the rules of every game. Right, I'm not saying he's the king. You know, <laughs> I like to think myself as a good player, but I'm not the best. So um, I think maybe I'll get in the games more, and then I'll be able to come back with an answer. Uh, it's uh, Chad Cheese Dallas joining us here, uh, tableside at the Nat Bailey Stadium. You're up on Wednesday yes. tonight, or today rather, uh, noon or at the Nat. Trent Wallace is uh, pitching. Uh, what will people see when they come to the park today? 
Trenton Wallace, man. You'll see, uh, you know, he's kind of a three-quarter guy, not not quite sidearm, but you know, he kind of um, kind of not cuts himself off, but he's got that. Uh, trying to think. Stride. Yeah, yeah. the cross body, cross right, throwing, right. a little bit of cross throwing. Um, but man, really good off speed. You know, got a nice change up, and then he'll run it up and get it past some hitters with the heater. Um, but yeah, he's he can spin it well, locate well, and he's, he knows how to pitch. He can read hitters. Um, he prepares himself well, so we should see a good game. Cheese, appreciate it, man. Of course. Uh, enjoy and uh, best luck with the next start. Thank you for having me. Thank it's, you. Uh, Cheese Dallas joining us here. You'll see pitch here at Nat Bailey Stadium pretty soon. Yeah, off to a fantastic start. Fantastic we start to uh, to his season. We got the uh, the scouting report. That's the full lowdown. Best pitcher so far. Yeah, and the, that was great too. And I, I mean, I I uh, probably wisely cut it off, but I could have done like fifteen more minutes. I, just I, on, like, I was telling pitch, you, just pitch, go off, kid. Nerd. Go off, like, yeah, because that's so fascinating. That was great. There's nothing really else like that about like a pitcher's arsenal and how you develop it in sports. You, you both looked I mean? at me as if like, hey, ask the next question. I was like, go off, man. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Uh, that's fascinating. Like. You know, you're kind of you're almost throwing a cutter, anyways. Yeah. So let's just start doing that on purpose, and then we'll get back to the four seamer, or could be a four seamer, could be a two seamer. I don't know, but love the accidentally on purpose things. Right? Yeah. Just like I just discovered, I can do this. Yeah. But it, I I find that fascinating because there's no there's nothing else like that in any position in sports where you're you know there there's all these different like every pitcher's arsenal is a little bit different, and you have to and yeah, obviously you know guys shoot a little bit differently, but it's not the same as I'm developing yes. a new pitch and i'm trying to do that in real time during a season albeit at the minor leagues fascinating stuff uh from cheese dallas yeah great by the way his full name according to uh milb.com john chadwell dallas then he goes by chad and then cheese i get it a lot of layers a lot of layers there (laughs) uh fantastic stuff uh again we're here at the nat today Bick nazar jamie dodd the people show on location uh, 650-650, you can always be part of the show as well. Sorry, I didn't check this in time. Uh, has he ever thought throw about throwing a nacho cheese dip baseball? I don't know what that means. Like on the field or just for fun? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Austin I feel like Langley. it would just get a lot of nacho cheese everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Austin spinning off. Uh, we didn't talk about this yesterday. Uh, I asked Dan and Saddle with their thoughts on the commercial. Uh, I joked about uh, it with Canucks talk as well. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday. Yeah, but apparently I've like I'm now I'm now officially the toe fungus of Sportsnet 650 because of yeah. you. That's that's spreading to apparently, other shows. Yeah. I got a message from Richie. I was like, Jamie, why are you toe fungus? I was like, what? <laughs> why is this? How is this broken out into other places? I don't want that. <laughs> What's going on? Whoops. <laughs> I didn't mean to put that on you. Oh dear. Oh, dear. But it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Austin Langley says, Jamie, you may be the 650 face of the toe fungus commercial <laughs> after Canucks Central yesterday. I'll have to go back and listen. I don't, I'm not sure I like that. not sure I care for oh, that. Oh, man. So I, I thought he was referencing the Canucks commercial, not the toe fungus. Oh, no. Though. I think he's talking about the Canucks. Yeah, the, yeah. The toe fungus. You're, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should get that checked. You should get that checked. That's Jamie's uh, MO, procrastinate. Yeah. Ah, we'll save it for later. It'll solve itself naturally. Uh, but the commercial, we didn't. We no, did why would I the be the face of the other commercial? I I, I was read the second all right, all right, all right. text before the first text. I screwed up. Okay, I screwed up. But nevertheless, uh, the commercial yesterday, uh, standards and habits and uh, what was the last one? I forget. Standard habits. It wasn't memorable. Structure. Structure. structure, structure. Oh yeah, structure. of course. How could yeah, we structure. forget? Yeah. yeah. How could we forget? Yeah, structure. Uh, the com- the commercial was. 
hilariously bonkers. But yeah. it's also a commercial. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason we didn't bring it up yesterday because it's like, <laughs> whatever. But there's also a reason people are dunking on it. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not going to sit here and be like, it's not funny. It is funny. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not a big deal. No. But it is funny. It can be both. Yeah. It just kind of remind me of, like, making an advertisement that's, like, letting everyone know you're, like, good at tying your shoes. It's like, well, yeah, that's kind of a baseline thing. I don't know if you need to make a big commercial about it. Hey, I will say. We're practicing at, hard. All right. That's good. At least Better than the alternative. At, at least it's consistent. I understand it's the baseline, yeah. and now the bar has been so lowered. But at least it's not – like, Unfinished Business last year, or at the start of this year, yeah. came out of nowhere, and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't accomplish anything. You weren't close to accomplishing the goal. Don't start saying Unfinished Business. That was odd. It wasn't really consistent. This is like, hey, we're trying to build this out. Well, they went away from unfinished business, right? They, then they Fast. switched to our pursuit. <laughs> Seven yeah. games in, they're like, you know what? Let's leave last year's business. That business is going to remain unfinished. But at least this is consistent with, you know, Rick Tockett, yep. what they've always wanted to build. This is consistent. So I'll give them that, but it is a, a rather bonkers. I do, and it does set up, you know, like, we almost did, like, a wrong answer. An impromptu wrong answers only yesterday. Like, what are the other buzzwords that should have been featured in the commercial? Just, like, compliance behind OEL. Okay, wrong answers What's only. What's next Canucks season all about? Compliance. Impromptu version of wrong answers only here on the People's Show. We're bringing back all the old segments. Yeah. Other buzzwords that should have been featured in the Canucks commercial. Because we had structure, yeah. habits, standard. And now I'm adding compliance should be the other one. I'll, I'll, I'll actually use compliant around, like, behind Patrick Alvin Because he's not saying that they're going to be – they're going to open up cap space. He said that they're going to be compliant. Yeah. So That's the same as mine. I just did that one. But you put it behind OEL. Yeah, because he's, like, yeah. the simple All right, I got to choose a cap, new one. Cap problems. I got to choose can't a new take, one. Can't just take mine. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's all in. Wrong answers only. What other yep. buzzwords should have been featured in the Canucks commercial yesterday? I mean, obviously, like, wall guy. Yeah, wall guy and if they, guy. If they had done it, actually, if they had done a commercial all about the different types of talk at guys, oh, that man. would have been incredible. Just with clips of him saying, like, you know, we need more wall guys. And yeah. then it's like, you know, JT Miller making a play along the wall with wall guy in the back. We need more inside guys. And it's Dakota Joshua scoring from in tight. Just a super cut. We need more PK guys. It's Elias Patterson no, no. out there on the blue you line. You can't have any goals in that commercial. It's That's just, true. It's just sealing guys along the wall and just a defensive play where you just rub shoulders with someone and take the puck away. Yeah. That, that's the whole commercial. So boxing out in front of the yeah. net. See, that would have been great. Yeah. I Box- do. I do it, like, I, I'm a big fan of Rick Tockett. I really yeah. enjoy listening to him speak and, and just the way he talks about hockey. He has a very, like, authentic, natural, I think it's a lot of interesting ideas. Like, yeah, build a, let's go. Build a whole campaign around the coach and everything he's trying to do. I'm here for it. I could, I could get into that for sure. On that note, great school. Great, great school. school. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Great school would have been a good one. Man, that practice. So many funny things happened this year. Oh, but look, again, like they had to start from scratch defensively. Body language. Body there's, language. There's, yeah. a, there's a buzzword. Yeah. <laughs> Line changes. Line changes. Line changes would have been a good buzzword. Non-negotiables. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the animal? Elephant? Yes. Yes. Just a shot of the bench and just elephant. 
What's the opposite of spinning, by the way? Talkit hates spinning. Oh, that's oh, true. Yeah. That's true. Spinning. He does hate spinning. <laughs> does not want spinning, guys. Okay, what's the opposite of spinning? I guess it's just statics. Like, no, but like you don't still. want them to be static. You don't want to be still either. Like straight line, north south, north south, north south, oh, yeah, north south. south, north south. They can show the power is. play. Just go static. <laughs> uh, this one uh, need a stop. Oh yeah, the guts. Protect the guts. Yeah, the guts of the ice. Protect yep. the guts. Just just a picture of the center of the ice. Yeah, the guts. Yeah. Guys just selling out to protect the guts. Uh, shortcuts. With it, with Pronick in front and Shortcut in the background. That's pretty good. That's strong. That's savage. That's pretty good. Uh, this one from Austin Langley. Wall guys, inside guys, cap space, big summers. Oh, yes. Big summers. summer. Big summer is like. Put like sunglasses and a, a sun in the background. Which is the definitive talk it addition to our vocab? Is it wall guy or is it big summer? I think it's. Wall guy. I think it's wall guy. Big yeah. Summer's make, made a late push as we got closer to the summer. The fine really But Big to Summer's not like unique to him. That That's up. just like something he's emphasizing. Wall guy was like, oh, this is a new this is a new phrase that we all have adopted now. North Creek Dan, no river hockey. Oh yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of dumpins. Just a super cut of Yeah. Nils Oman skating through the neutral zone, chipping it End in. End of his shift, dumping it in. It's like Canucks hockey right no, there. No river hockey. Punt and hunt. Yeah. Oh, man. Aren't they trying to get away from punt and hunt, though? Don't the they? Yeah. Isn't that just dumping it in? Well, no, no punt and hunt is like high out flip out of the oh, zone yeah. and try to try to track it down. Sorry, my trance, I'm off on my drances. Uh, sorry. I apologize. <laughs> uh, no river hockey. That's a good one. Culture club from Torgi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Man. I like body language. Yeah, body language would be a good one. Yeah. Behind JT Miller? Yeah. The, oh, my. Just oh like my. when JT's like the, the moment where he's smiling, it's like body language. Body language. Oh. Uh, yeah, because oh. Manko's spitting and because Manko benched. It was interesting that they chose Kuzmenko the is the guy on the habits one. Yeah. It's like, well... <laughs> Accountability. Yeah, did talk agree? Yeah, did, accountability. Did, did you guys run this past Talkit? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it should have been. It's like, did you guys run this one past Talkit before you talked about it? <laughs> uncomfortable uh, from LA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uncomfortable. Oh, strong one. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one that we've heard a lot of. Yeah. Gotta get what would be the images, though? And behind who? Just a guy. It's just a bunch of guys. Like, well, it would be like Quinn Hughes in his uh, full face shield. Just look <laughs> like, like he's just gotten get the you know what beaten out of him. Just like, oh, I'm uncomfortable right now. Tyler Myers. Yeah. Chaos. Exactly. Chaos. With a picture of Tyler Myers. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Myers defending a two-on-one. Chaos. <laughs> Wrong answers only. Buzzwords for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, all right. Whew. I'm laughing harder at this than uh, Dom yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Dom's here in case the Canucks announce where their training camp is again. <laughs> I believe it's in Victoria. Yeah. Oh, if you missed the show Just in yesterday. case. Just in case. He's on the case. Uh, all right. On the other side, we're going to talk to uh, Dave Nonis, former Vancouver Canucks general manager, longtime NHL exec as well. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with uh, just, just about the playoffs and obviously Hurricanes advancing. Some vultures starting to circle around uh, New Jersey. Uh, a lot of decisions that they've got to make mm-hmm. this offseason. Uh, if you listen to 32 Thoughts, they're talking about the coaching staff. Uh, you know, Lindy Ruff, what do they do there? They have a guy waiting in the wings there. 
Meyer and Bratt. And, and so we do this every time a team gets eliminated. We do it with the Jets, and we'll do it with the New Jersey Devils now. Is there things that you want to uh, poach from the New Jersey Devils roster that might fit here uh, in Vancouver? And there, are there opportunities that you see from the Devils uh, that can work for the Vancouver Canucks? We'll get into that on the other side with a great conversation with Dave Nonis on the way. You can come see us, too. We always appreciate your text in the inbox. But today, you can come see us over at Nat Bailey Stadium, Rogers Field at Nat Bailey Stadium. It's a nooner at the Nat. Trenton Wallace pitching. Uh, we got the scouting report earlier from Cheese Dallas. And a uh, good season so far for the Vancouver Canadians. Crushing it to begin the year. First pitch shortly after 1 o'clock. Tyler Zickel will have the call. You'll hear it on these airwaves as well, just over an hour away, and it's a gorgeous day, uh, so come by, say hi, and check out great local baseball action for a nooner at the Nat. Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd, on location here, back in a minute, here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to The People Show, a second hour of The People Show. I'm not usually used to two hours of The People Show. Going to break out the yeah, Gatorade. You're really working hard today. To get through the you second gonna hour. You're going to be okay? Here. You need to rest or something? You need to take a segment off? Calling the right hand. Wow, really right putting hand. in a shift today. Two <laughs> hours at the Nat. Tough times. We're Finishing coming, at 1 o'clock on a Friday. We're coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, mobile Kintech Studio today, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour of the People Show, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, keeping you at the top of your game, now found together online at D-L-E-A-M-C.com. We'll connect with Dave Nonis in just a moment, former Vancouver Canucks GM, Long-time NHL exec. Uh, a lot of – appreciate all the thoughtful uh, texts coming in about uh, that interview with uh, Cheese Dallas. Mm -hmm. And uh, big shout-out to – He was great. Yeah, big, big shout-out to uh, f listener Frank stopping by the table and uh, saying uh, what, what, what a great interview that uh, Cheese Dallas was. Uh, so we'll see him pitch pretty soon here at Nat Bailey Stadium, but still plenty of time for you to come on by today for the Nooner at the Nat as uh, the Vancouver Canadians taking on Everett uh, just – over an hour away, Tyler Zickel will have the call. Before then, let's chat with a longtime NHL exec, Vancouver Canucks GM Dave Nonis, who joins us on the People Show now. Dave, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? We are doing fantastic. Uh, get to spend a day outside by the ballpark uh, and talk about uh, what we saw last night on the ice. And, you know, we spend a lot of time just talking about the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they get to advance to another conference finals, their second time in, in a handful of years here. And, you know, like they're, they're such a unique team, their style of play on the ice. But do you look at principles of what they do off the ice as far as organizational that, that other teams can can adapt and, and, and take from? Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit. They definitely have certain principles that they – adhere to um and i i think it's worked out for them for the most part you know you get one of them in particular is is uh, how they approach uh, player acquisition and 
um, the trade deadline. And, and if you, you know, you look at their history, uh, especially recent history under Don Waddell, they they'll add a few pieces here and there. They'll spend a little bit, you know, to try to bolster uh, their lineup. I think this year they added Goss to spare, but they, you know, they, this was a team that was at or near the top of the league uh, for a lot of the year. And, and most people wanted them to just to go out and spend like a lot of teams did. Um, and that's, that's not what they do. They, there's, they don't have a problem spending uh, money and making big deals, but when they do it, they want to do it in the off season and acquire a player that they can have for a long period of time. You know, Brent Burns, for example. So they're not into the rental market per se. They don't spend big to bring in rental players. And by doing that, they seem to have, have put together a, a, a team that, that's, you know, in harmony. There's no dissent. I think everybody is happy to be there. They know by and large uh, that the group's going to remain together. And, and, you know, they play a style of hockey that uh, those guys can all buy into. But, you know, overall, I think that's one of the biggest differences between between um, the Hurricanes and the rest of the league is, is how they approach the, the team building and, and when they want to build it. It's not, it's not during the season. It's definitely not at the trade deadline. You know, Dave, you used the word harmony there. And the thing that really stands out to me about the Hurricanes is just, you know, that harmony starting with the owner through the front office to the coach to the players. It, it seems like they have, you know, everyone on the same page to a degree that most teams in the NHL don't. Is that the most impressive thing? More than any, you know, particular philosophy or the players they identify, just the ability to have that alignment from top to bottom. I think it's it's proven to be a, a pretty successful formula, that's for sure. Um, you know, and again, I, I don't know the owner, but I, I do know everyone else in that, you know, that hierarchy. And, you know, these are good people, and they they do, they are principled people. Don Waddell is one of the best, you know, human beings you're going to be around, besides a, a very good hockey man. You know, Rod Brindamore, the way his players play for him and how they talk about him speaks for, you know, for itself as well. So um, I think that, the fact that they all buy into this um, and it does go from one to the other, it goes from the GM to the, to the coach and from the coach to the players. And, you know, everyone is you know, pulling on the same rope. The other thing that happens in, in Carolina, it's happened so far is I, I call it, it's like plug and play. You know, if someone comes out, they just put someone else in and it, there's no, they don't fall off. There's no complaining. There's no, Everything just seems to, to, other than looking at the lineup sheet, it does, doesn't change how they play and how they perform. So I think that all does come from the top through the coach and then you know, into, the, into the players. Yeah, it's really stood out this playoffs because, of course, they're missing Sveshnikov. They're missing Pacioretty, and yet they're bringing these guys in, and they're, you know, here they are in the conference finals. How do you start to build that, that, that plug-and-play capability, where, as you said, it, you know, the names might change, but you know what you're going to get on the ice every night? Yeah, it, it, I, I think it's a, definitely a process, and you you need to have uh, you need to have alignment. I mean, we used to talk about this years ago, even going back to the business school. Like, if, if you don't have alignment in a in a professional hockey team, you're not going to maximize the the uh, potential of your group, whatever that potential may be. Um, so, to me, if you have like minded people running it. Uh, I think that alignment is much easier to produce and, and players can feel it, you know? So I, I believe it does start with, you know, with management ownership first, no question, but then from the manager to the coach, to the players, I, I think you have to have the same belief system about how teams should play, um, how teams should be built, how you should be treating 
your players and staff, like all those things come into play and, and to build that, you know, that feeling. And again, if you just look at the way Carolina is not just playing, but who they're playing with, you made the point of, you know, these guys are out of the lineup. Well, there's a few players that are, that are playing in Carolina that if you didn't have a, you know, a program, you wouldn't know who they were yet. They're, you know, they're filling in admirably and they're actually producing. So it's a, it is a, an impressive uh, run that they've been on and uh, I don't see it stopping. I mean, there's a real good chance this team will get to the Stanley cup finals. And then once you get there, who knows what happens. And on the flip side of, uh, of that series, Carolina advancing means the Devils season comes to an end. And we can all look at that team and, you know, some of the incredibly impressive young players they have. And we all expect them to be back and to be competitive for a lot of years to come. When you're in that situation with a team that you think is just at the start of their window of really competing, how do you balance kind of having patience with that team? on the one hand, and on the other hand, kind of looking at it and saying, you know what, we're good enough to win now, and we need to take that next step forward. Well, it's recognizing if you really are good enough to win now. And, you know, that's that's the, the part that's difficult. And we was talking to some people this morning, you know, about Edmonton's um, journey to, you know, their competitiveness now. And people said, well, you know, they, they got McDavid, and then you got Dreisaitl. And yes, yeah, McDavid's draft year, and he, he started putting up some pretty good numbers right off the bat, but they missed the playoffs three out of four times. And so it, it takes the, the right time to actually make that push to say, okay, now the window really is open. It's not just, you know, the latch isn't just coming open, but the window is open. And you, you have to do a good job of evaluating when that actually is. And sometimes you're better off keeping your powder dry to until you know you're sure before you put that big push on. The other thing, too, you look at a team like, like New Jersey, you know, they've got some good young players that aren't even here yet, that aren't yeah. even in the lineup. So I think that the step that they made um, this year was, was a huge one. I, I, you know, I expected them to challenge for a playoff spot. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I told you I thought they would be as good as they were this year. Um, and I, I don't see them regressing next year because of, the way some of their younger players have developed and how quickly they've developed. So take us through those conversations as a management group that, you know, as you say there, it's like, hey, we're at a stage where we don't expect to regress. How far do you want to push the button? Is it now start depleting resources to say, hey, we want to go be Eastern Conference champions? Or is it still that prudent approach to say, hey, tomorrow is still a chance to accumulate and continue to build this out? And like, at what point does that start to switch? Well, there's a couple things that that will will force your hand. I mean, it, let's we can go back to even last year with Colorado. They were a good team for a number of years. People talked about them as being, uh, you know, potential champions. But once they got McCarr and McCarr, you know, really turned the corner, um, then you add that to that really solid uh, group with with uh, Landeskog and McKinnon, and you know, they had that the Tays, the quality back end. Um, you know, you get to that point, you say, okay, maybe we do have a good enough chance to win. And you, you make that decision to, to go based on the strength of your core. If you look at the cores of some of the, of the Stanley Cup champions in the past, you know, whatever, 15 years, you know, you got, I just mentioned the Colorado group. I think of, you know, Tampa, you have Hedman, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Pittsburgh, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, And, you know, you start building a core like that, you know, you're going to, you're going to want to try to go for it. Um, and you want to do it when those players are, are fairly young so that you can try to get through that window four or five times, not just once or twice. 
the other other you know thing that you're looking at is is finances. And we you know we've talked about this before you know on your show is um, you have to look at what you got tied up, what you're going to have tied up, and what is that going to do to your roster. So you know you, we can all hope that the cap keeps going up and up and up, and I think that we're in a you know we're in an environment where that will happen eventually, maybe not next year, but um, you can't you know count on that. So you you could be limited by your cap space as well, and say okay two years from now. I got a player that's, you know, under contract. He's making three million bucks, but the way this is going, he's going to be making nine. So that can do a lot to how competitive you are, um, you know, once you have to look at what you're going to have to pay some of your, your higher-end talent. In conversation with Dave Nonis, longtime NHL exec, former Vancouver Canucks GM here on the People Show, Bick Nazar and Jamie Dodd. Uh, we saw the suspensions get handed out as well for Petrangelo and Darnell Nurse. Uh, what did you make of the one-game suspension for each? I, I don't like the one game for Petrangelo. I think it's a dangerous play. Nobody really wants to see that, and it, 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 it's got to come down with a heavier hammer, and, and they come down with one game for, for the pair of them. Uh, what do you make of it? Well, the nurse one was easy because it was automatic. And, um, you know, the, yes, you can rescind that, but to rescind it, you have to, you know, basically prove that this was not, uh, it was not an instigator. And I don't think you can, you can make that case here. You know, nurse had a, a number of um, comments after, and I, and I believe all of them, that the player wanted to fight earlier in the game, that he was challenging. And those are all, I believe everything he says about that. Um, but those are reasons why he instigated. They don't. They don't. They don't eliminate the fact that he did it. So to, to me, that that the league upholding that was the right decision. The one or two games, and that could be, or even more, could be debated. I I, I agree. Uh, I actually thought it would be two myself, um, for a, a few reasons. One is the puck was nowhere near um, the player. Uh, it wasn't a reactionary play where he just turned and swung. He, you know, he basically tracked them down and, and clubbed them. Uh, and if there was an injury, you, you definitely would have seen much more than, than one. But, you know, there's the old, um, uh, I don't know if you want to use the word analysis that, that uh, I think that people go through is the value of a game in the postseason as opposed to the value of a game in the regular season. And, you know, I think that you know, heading into the final stretch of the series, I think that did come into play as well, but um, there's, there's really this is a, a, a situation where, for whatever reason, the, the player decided to do this. This is not in his character. He's never done anything before. He's never been front of the league. I don't think for any disciplinary action in his career. So it's de- definitely out of character for him. But it, it was a significant play, and if, if there was an injury to Drysaddle, that would would have been a, a much longer suspension. And, you know, now the situation that this sets up, Dave, is not obviously for Game 5, but in Game 6, Nurse will be back, Petrangelo will be back, and, you know, you have to wonder, will the Oilers be a little bit distracted or looking to exact some measure of revenge on Petrangelo in Game 6? What will that atmosphere be like? How hard is it for a team in that position to maintain focus on the task at hand and not get distracted by, you know, the fact that Petrangelo made this slash on one of your best players earlier in the series. Yeah, there'll be, you know, there'll be a time, you know, potentially for, for retribution, so to speak, but it won't be in this series. And I I just think, um, you know, I I think that they're going to be too focused on trying to get through this series and into the next round. I, I don't believe there'll be time for that in terms of when I say time, the mental strength, the the ability to take a penalty for no reason that you might be able to absorb during the regular season. 
there won't be any time for any of that. And, you know, and again, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, um, absolving Petrangelo for what he did, because again, I, I thought it was a significant play and, and it was one that you don't want in the game anymore. Um, but I can also tell you that they went at him hard and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they, sh- and they should, I mean, he's one of their best players and they always made it very, very miserable on him. I would expect that to happen um, a lot more in the, you know, game six and seven, but I don't think they'll cross the line. I think they'll just, they'll just do what they did last game, which was really, really play them hard. Talking to Dave Notis here on the people show. I'm excited to ask you about this. Um, it, it was a big week in the NHL, not just what's happening on the ice, but also the draft lottery happens. And we always focus so much on the reward of winning the draft lottery and what it means to your competitive opportunities. Now that you get first overall, but I, I want to ask you, like, you, you've been in the meetings and having to talk to ownership and, and being in Board of Governors meetings. Like, the business component of winning first overall, like, is there a financial number to what getting not just first overall, but a player like Connor Bedard does for your organization? If it means, you know, ticket sales, we've already seen the reports of how many season tickets have been signed up for in Chicago. You know, the, is there a number of, of what this can register as is it in the multiple hundreds of millions is it close to a billion of, of what this could mean for a team that wins a lottery for this type of player well it, it definitely has a, a positive impact and like you said you saw the number of tickets i, don't, I can't remember the ex- exact number but it, it was staggering in an hour and a half how many season tickets that they sold um you know just without even you know having the player in town it was just he was selected and bang the phones light up um, so, you know, you know, in a, in a hockey market in particular, uh, I think you can see a, a, a pretty big spike in terms of, of revenue. There's still the one, you know, overriding factor in anything that goes into um, pricing and, and revenue generation, and that's winning. So I, I think the, yes, that the, adding a player like that, it helps. I remember when Stamkos went to, to, to Tampa, they, you know, they pumped the, the town full of billboards that they you know, were able to land this guy. And it, it had a positive effect on ticket sales. And I, I, we saw it in Chicago already, already, like we said. But at the end of the day, the way they want to maximize their revenue is, is going to be by uh, winning and, and winning a uh, significant amount of games and playoff rounds. Um, if you can put together a group that can do that, including a star like we think this kid's going to be, um, that's when you start to see the, the revenue really start to, to pile up. I don't think that they need to do anything specific right now for him. Like I wouldn't put him out there in a dog and pony show to try to get every nickel out of the fans in Chicago. I, I would you know, make sure that, that he's out there representing the team appropriately, but you're trying to develop this kid and make the team uh, win as quickly as possible. Then you'll see some you'll see some real revenue come in, and you know on the ice for Connor Bedard. I mean, look, the the first overall pick is never really going to uh, a, a powerhouse team, just the nature of the lottery. But I mean, Chicago really stripped down their roster. There's not a lot for him to step into next year. How much pressure would you feel in that position to go out this summer and make some additions just to insulate Bedard uh, in his rookie year a little bit? Well, definitely would go out and, and, and add some pieces to insulate them, but I wouldn't, you know, I've heard some people say that uh, once they got them, say, you know, we've got a lot of cap space, we being, you know, the, the, the Chicago mm-hmm. fan base and club, they, you know, there's a lot of a lot of cap space here. Let's go spend, there's a, 
quite a few good free agents. Let's spend, 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 and try to go after this thing. He's 17. He doesn't turn 18 till the middle of the summer, you know. And if you look at some of the great players that that are in the league, you know, they they rarely, rarely have a huge impact their first year or two. You can, you know, you can look at Jack Hughes, who I think we can all say now is is a high end star. I believe he had 21 points. It's it's is you know his first year. It, it's it's not easy um, to have a, a major impact on a roster when you're 18 years old. It doesn't mean you're not going to be a superstar. It it just means that, that you know it's a big step, and you're probably going to a team like you said that isn't full of you know necessarily high end talent. With that said, if I'm Chicago, I want some people around him that he can play with. Uh, um, I would. Uh, they've got a lot of picks. I would look at even possibly trading one or two of their picks, not necessarily their first, but to try to get a player or two on that roster that maybe has some term, so it's not an old an, an old player. I think you want to have some grit. You know, the day of, of you know fighting and, and the protectionism is gone, but I do think you you want to have some some grit on that team, and you want to have some leadership. As good as a, a player, and from what I hear, as good of a person as this young man is it's great to, to be you know, mentored and tutored by someone uh, who's done it. And, you know, someone who's got strong character, strong moral compass to help bring him along and make him the player that he could be as quickly as it could be. So I'd be looking for those pieces, um, understanding you're not going to win next year. You know, you, you've got a lot of, of picks that are you put in the pipeline. Use them. Try to grow organically as, you know, as quickly as you can, and there'll be a time for them to add some pieces. That is a town that players love to play in. And when when they are good enough to add a quality free agent, you want to be able to do it. You want to have the money to do it, and then take a run at it at that point. I, I do want to ask, and I'll, I'll preface this all by saying this is just a hypothetical, Dave. I know it's not going to happen, but fans always text us, be like, "Hey, would Chicago trade it?" Okay, and I, I've tried to I, I've tried to just ask around privately, and I want to ask you so everyone can hear it. Like, it's 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 impossible. But let's just say we live in a world where they were going to do it. Can you give us a ballpark of what it might cost? Because I've said somewhere in the range of eight first-round picks value, <laughs> right? Like, like what number kind of makes sense to you? I don't think eight would do it. because yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think so either, but somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the reason I say that is if I knew where those eight were going to be, then then you might have a, a chance at possibly doing it. Yeah, I, I still don't think that would happen. But, you know, the way that the league – is right now and and with 32 teams you know that what if that's eight twenty seventh overall picks I, I i don't you know then you're you're seeing almost zero value for it so i don't think there's really a price that you could put on on this trade to get him i, I don't i don't see it um you know you've got a young player that hopefully you have for well over a decade he's going to be cost effective for at least three years um, and then at, at that point, you're going to have you know you're going to have to pay more than likely if he get becomes a player you think he's going to be. But that's what you want for you know for a team going forward to add a had a player like that like we think he's going to be. I I almost think it's it's impossible. It's very close to impossible to acquire. Uh, another great talent in the draft is uh, Mepe Mitchkov, and we, we don't ask specifically about him, but you know, there, there's always conversations about you know what happens away from the ice with him, uh, and, and just in general, how do you balance um, the, the, the player's skill set and maybe some other circumstances uh, to, to, to players' value heading into the draft? Yeah, well, with his situation, it the, what you have to balance is if you're ever going to see him. 
And, you know, because if, if, if he stays in Russia, which, you know, who knows if that's going to continue. I mean, he does have a longer-term contract. I, it's not that uh, that he could just up and leave. There is no agreement between the, the Russian Ice Federation, Ice Hockey Federation, and the NHL like there is with virtually every other uh, hockey-producing country. So, you know, you're, you're drafting a player potentially that might you might not see for years or or potentially ever. Um, so in that in that instance, you have to be pretty you know confident that um, you're going to get him. He's going to get selected in the first round. Someone is going to take him. Uh, I would I would guess, and I could be wrong, but there's a better chance of a team that's got multiple firsts taking a player like that um, than a team that's banking on that player coming and, and impacting their team in the next three or four years because there's a real good chance that that may not happen. Hey, Dave, we always appreciate it. Uh, great stuff as always. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Enjoy the ballpark. Thank you. It's Dave Notice, longtime NHL exec, former Vancouver Canucks GM. So there it is. We, we can put it to yeah, bed. Eight first-round picks not doing it. Yeah, because realistically, it wouldn't and, be and, eight first-round By the way, I said be... eight first-round pick value, right? Right. So is, is Quinn Hughes worth two? Yeah, that it, would be, it would have to be, like if we're talking about it from the Canucks, it would be yeah. like Pedersen, Hughes, then keep on tacking on first-round picks. Yeah. That's what it would be. Yeah. Now, I would still do it, but Chicago wouldn't do it. Chicago's not doing that. Probably not, yeah. Just because of, like, again, you know, you asked the question to Dave, right? But, like, how much franchise value did Sidney Crosby add to the Penguins? You know what I mean? And you have to be at that tier to do that. Because, again, we're talking about, again, he mentioned, like, winning is the best revenue source, of course. But we can't project 19 years of his career. No. So you're talking about the potential. And if I'm an owner, I'm saying, hey, we have the potential for billions. Yes. We can build arena. Like, I'm not saying the, the... Chicago's going to build an arena, but you could build arenas around players like this. Yeah. So you have to buy billions worth of value. And you might be able to theoretically make up the value on the ice that he brings with a collection of other players. Yes. You're not making up that side of it, where, where it's all situated in one player and the value that can bring to your franchise if it works out. Which we And, you know, but the way we've seen it work out some, sometimes around sports. Think of the, 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 the counter balance of this is they get this player and Dave's talking about hey winning is the best thing but already all the money's already been infused from fans yep there'll be more money coming in but say they make that trade they have to win to buy back all the money they have to win like right now yeah but (laughs) because fans are gonna be like are you kidding me but they have to have so much success yeah to then get the reward of that prolonged run yeah for this many fans to buy season tickets and have all that money get thrown into the organization. You're always going to want money now rather than money later. Yeah, 100%. And so it's just, it's, even just trading up in general, it's so difficult because that's that's what... And that's before you even get to just the kind of the self-preservation aspect. No one's ever going to, you're not going to lose your job for keeping Connor Bedard. You could easily lose your yes. job for trading Connor yes. Bedard. You know what I mean? Like, so that's another reason why it's just not going to happen. It would it, it would be the biggest risk in hockey history to pull the trigger. Although on the that Avalanche trade. won some cups after uh, they traded. Sure, they didn't want to. They were forced into it. It worked out for them, but yeah. they sure didn't want to do it. Um, by the way, I really liked. Uh, I mean, Dave always has great stuff yeah. to say, but I really liked what he's had to say there about. 
the Devils, where we talked about the window being opened. So you have to open the latch first. I like that. That's like what the Devils did, right? They opened the latch. Okay, now we're ready to push the window open next year. That's great. You know, because there's always that first season mm -hmm. where you arrive a little bit ahead of schedule. It's like, oh, is the window open now? Is it not? It's like, no, no, no. We opened the latch this year. Now we're going to open the window. We're going to do some things to open the window now. That's great. Put that on a uh, buzzword commercial behind Open Patrick. the latch. <laughs> the latch has been opened. <laughs> uh, That's a great question, though. Like, it's not that the window is going to open next year for the Canucks. Have you can unlocked the, can, the window? Can the Canucks open the latch next year? I'm what not, do they have to do prepared. to open the latch? I'm not prepared for the latch conversations we're going to have over the next And we're, like, debating the months. semantics of the latch. You know, well, first, because you have to unhook it. But then is that open? Is that fully open? Do you have one of the mechanisms that you just turn it, or do you have to unhook something? What what type of latch do you have on your window? Do you have to like push the thing to the side and then slide the window? What's going oh, on? Oh, those here? are the worst. Yeah, I don't like why those. why are those I things? Don't like those. I don't uh, like those. What type of window is it? A sliding door? <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right, good stuff. You can hear in the background a lot of people hustle and bustle behind us. The speakers are going because we're at the Nat, baby. Nat Bailey Stadium for a nooner at the Nat. Canadians taking on Everett in about 30 minutes. Tyler Zickel will have the call. We still got another segment to go. We're going to have some fun in this final Friday yeah. segment, people show. Uh, we were joking earlier this week. I haven't been having any fun up till now, but in the in the final segment. I mean, to I'm be gonna, fair, I did call you a toe I'm going to let loose a little bit. Let my hair and again, just let me clarify. I, I, no, I know, I know. I called you like the commercial, not... Yes. Not the toe fungus. No, that, I, that is such a cop out. You called me, you get you called it, but me a lot the, of people. You called me the disgusting commercial about toe fungus, not the disgusting toe <laughs> yeah, fungus itself. The, yeah. the, there's it's, a clear distinction. It's much better. It's much better. <laughs> Just because people make that association, that's a them problem. Sure, sure. <laughs> but anyways, yes, uh, we're we're here. Uh, we, we we wanted to do this the other day. We didn't do it, but we're but we're gonna have a draft here. All right. On uh, I don't even know how this came about. How did this come about? I think. We were talking about one specific city oh, in the right. province. So You're we'll right. get to that when we get into the draft. We'll see where it goes. We're going to do uh, a BC destination. BC vacation, vacation destination, destination city draft. draft. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're going to do that on the other side. Yeah. Plus, or I guess not cities, just locations. Yes, yeah. locations. Uh, all on the other side. And we just wrap up the show. The People Show on Sportsnet 650. segment of the People Show today coming to you live from the Kintec studio on the road at Nat Bailey Stadium for Nooner at the Nat. Aqua Sox in town versus your Canadians. First pitch, 30 minutes away with Tyler Zickel on these airwaves. Last segment for myself, Bick Nazar, Jamie Dodd with me. This hour of the People Show brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment keeping you at the top of your game. Now found together online at DLEAMC.com. So we got a text into the inbox uh, that reminded us of why we're doing this draft. Yeah. We were hanging out on Wednesday before the show, and we saw a commercial on the TV. Uh, I don't know why I said TV like that. But uh, Tourism Penticton commercial. Yes. And Friend Featuring of the Station. Featuring Carolyn Cameron. Great colleague. Great Carolyn Cameron. Yeah. 
And we're like, oh, that's good for her. Doing the tourism Penticton And commercial. good for Penticton. Yeah, tremendous. And then we started debating in the in the office best vacation spots yeah. for lower mainland residents. Yes. So we're going to do this draft here of best destinations to go. Again, it, it's specifically for us because we would say best in the province. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vancouver is a huge tourism city, obviously. Yeah. So we did a lottery in the in the. By the, uh, by the way, hold on. We were, I just wanted to read this from Steve in the Oil Patch. We were talking about the uh, the opening the latch thing. He says the yeah. Canucks are thinking about walking in the room and then opening the latch. The Canucks are in that point where it's like, is it warm enough to open the window? I don't know. We're like right on the border. Is it you know? When am I going to be too cold then if we open the window? Should we? There's actually a lot of good latch text here. The Canucks have a childproof lock on their window. <laughs> And oh, the no. Canucks are children. Oh, no. Oh, man. Some good text coming Anyways, in. Anyways, just wanted to acknowledge this. All right, so we did a lottery for our draft. Text yes. in with your best vacation destinations yeah. in the province. In the province. Uh, we did the lottery. Any season. Yeah, yeah it's all year long. Just year yeah. Any season. All, all year season round. destinations. Uh, Dom, can you give us the results of the lottery? Drafting in the one slot is yourself, Vic. Let's go. Drafting two is Jamie. Woo! And I will be drafting three. Snake draft. Snake here. draft. Yeah. So, so I will go back. You're at the turn. Yeah. But I also get the last pick, which is. So I, I thought this was obvious. And Jamie was psyched to have two because I think Jamie thinks there's an obvious number one. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Oh, okay. I think what you think is the obvious number one is wrong. But oh, okay. Go ahead. I'm taking Whistler. I get all year round Whistler. I'm sorry. What's the argument against Whistler at number one? It's Jamie? overrated. Whistler's overrated. What about oh, it? It's overrated. It's too crowded. It's not that great. The village is fine. Like okay, it's like a Woo! fake. It's a fake little town. You the have takes. You have nature. So if you want to go on, you your think hikes, Whistler's the only place with hold nature? On, hold on. I, I can't can go, go hikes. You can't I, go on hikes you anywhere have, else. You have the hikes, but you also have the city vibes. If you want to do something, it's not a, a bit real more. city and, vibe. And I though. can go all year round. And for for okay, stuff I will all year say round. the caveat I have is that I'm not a skier, nor am I. Okay, I love going to Whistler like, in, the, in the winter. You can snowshoe. I'd rather go somewhere farther afield. I always just find Whistler. It's like it's I don't know. I don't I don't enjoy it as much as I think I'm going to enjoy it before I go. Let's put it that way. So it's more the idea of Whistler is better. Than always, yeah, the idea, the idea of Whistler is like amazing. <laughs> the idea of Whistler is top tier. Then when I go, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. That was all right. I, I think the fact that... I'm not saying it's terrible. I just, like, it never is like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to go to Whistler. I might agree amazing. with you that there might be other cities with individual seasons yeah. that are better. But the fact that I get totality of the year and winter in Whistler, summer in Whistler, you can always you can always go. That you can is, always is, go anywhere. No, I know. Just but got like, what you got to put up with. The, the elite... All spreading version of it is is, is why right. I'm taking number one. I knew you're going to do that. Uh, pick number my first pick, second pick overall. Uh, I'm going to Fino. Ah, oh. love Tofino. One of the most spectacularly beautiful places in the world. The beach is fantastic. Dom, Dom is just now. I know some people would say right it's only a summer, a warm weather destination. But I love the storm watching. Storm watching in the winter is fantastic. That's what it's, I said. It's great. You're talking about the walks. Long Beach is beautiful. Beautiful mm -hmm. national park. Tofino, number one. The, my, my argument against the storm watching is you got to be inside. Yeah, like, but like, well, I that's fun. Yeah. I love being inside. It's great. <laughs> Spend you, most of my life inside. You are speaking my language. About. You are speaking my language. But 
But if you don't ski and you like I, going I to Whistler in the winter, it's the same thing. You're like, Apres ski inside while it's cold. But out. I, I enjoy being in the outdoors part in, in the, the vibrancy of the Whistler life. Because like people like, people are going to be there yeah. in Whistler. The, the, the part that you said, like, oh, it's crowded. I, I like that. I just find it's too crowded. I don't mind being around other people, believe it or not. <laughs> I love that I have to disclaim that, but I just find it's a little too much. But like, like, if, oh, if, like if, if you're not staying right point? in the village and you have to like drive to the big parking lot and like circle around and look for parking, it's just like, oh man. I if, if part of your selling point of a destination is, hey, like when there's storms, we can hang out inside. That's like, I, I don't know how. Well, that's one part of it. You know, in I the know. summer, it's you're outside, you're on the beach, or you're beach combing, or you know, taking a dip. You can surf. It's fantastic. You can surf year round too. Just throw on a wetsuit if you're if you're if you're inclined. Masochistic like that, yeah, you can do it. Go ahead. Dom, back to back. Uh, He's listen, choked. Listen. He's so mad. I am. Like when I we, we Tofino. I think you had left by then. We talked about this briefly in the office. Oh yeah. He was like, oh. He tipped his cards. He, he was very much like, oh, Tofino, you can get it late in the draft. I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know that. No, Tofino's Tofino. not going late in the draft. Are you kidding me? Uh, a lot of people will think this city is overrated. You get the lakes and the, the hot weather in the summer. You got the mountain and the skiing in the winter. Kelowna goes third overall. Yeah, see, I, I thought Kelowna. I, I thought you would you, be a Kelowna you, guy. You guys are. Uh, you guys are choking away. You this don't draft. like Kelowna. You guys are choking away. This in draft. fact, I've heard you don't like anything that has to do with like the Okanagan. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I love. I got Okanagan <laughs> locations. Away the I got. I got Okanagan locations on my so list. So what is it about Kelowna you hate so much? I don't know. It's not for me. The vibe is not for <laughs> me. Is it? Is it the tribal <laughs> tattoos and, and the jet skis? Or you said it. You said it. Not me. The tap out. I like the Okanagan. I think there are more. There, there are a lot of places I would rather go on the Okanagan than. Kelowna. By the way, Brad and Cloverdale. Uh, it, it's Tofino for real, for real. Yeah, so, Brad uh, gets what's up. Brad yeah. knows what's up. Rager also says, have funding spending your entire life savings in a week in Whistler. But you, you can say that for Tofino as well. Yeah. Also I mean, depending on what you do. Yeah. yeah. Also, I will say one thing, one last thing on Tofino. I love, I love the ferry. I'm a big BC Ferries guy. So that's part of the attraction. I enjoy the ferry ride over to the island. Anyways. Do you have to get a triple O's when you're... You don't need to talk to me about ferry tapes. You don't have to, but I enjoy it. I do. I love the ferry. Yeah, ferry's great. Great cubicles on the ferry. <laughs> yeah, you're a big cubicle guy. True. <laughs> a true reprobate. <laughs> Just going to hang out of the cubicles on the uh, All right, the so ferry. what do we have? We have Kelowna's three. Kelowna, okay. Yeah. So we're doing nine picks here. Yeah. Listen, I have to go to Tofino's little brother. Uh, you Ooh, kill it. This wow. is like breaking up the twins here. Yeah. This is huge. <laughs> huge. You can- or this is like, you know, somebody takes David Reinbacher. Before the Canucks, they're like, oh, but we still need a right-hand defenseman. We're taking Polika. <laughs> <laughs> I know our guy's not there, but we got it. We Massive. Need it. You can announce the pick. Uh, you kill it. There you go. Or Yuki is the. You clue uh, it. Right? I don't know. He pulled a uh, Vasily Potslosan. <laughs> you kill it. You kill it? Now I don't know. Yuki. We're going you, with you. You just say whatever you want to say there, pal. Uh, all right. So it's back to me. Yeah. All right, I am going to. Uh, I'm gonna say. Oh, he's he's stuck. This is tricky. I gotta think about this. I'm glad you came prepared. I'm gonna say Naramata. Oh, wine country. Wine country, Okanagan, beautiful lake views. You can do the wine tours, and your close, easy drive into Penticton. I thought about taking Penticton. But it's very easily accessible, so you can go. You can, you know, 
go to the bar, whatever you want to do in Penticton, the beach there, the Lazy River. You still have access to Penticton, but you're in Naramata. So what are you doing? Beautiful, beautiful place in Naramata. What are you doing in the winter in Naramata? That's my... Staying inside and drinking wine. <laughs> can do that in If Vancouver you guys think too. I have a problem being <laughs> inside... You're you are sorely mistaken. But why do you have to be in Nevada to drink? Get a place with a view of the lake? Are you kidding me? Ah. I don't have a view of a lake here. That's not going to stop me from any of my picks. By the way, oh, what are you doing in the winter? Just stay inside. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's great. Um, I'm going to go uh, number two. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll probably just jump in with Rager here. I'll go Penticton. I, I need Novogratz right. City. You got to cover off the yeah Oregon, for sure. I get it. The, the, the wine, that, that rate, like, you want to tap into different parts of the, the province. province. Yeah. And so it's like, I got a lot with with Whistler. Well, yeah, like the Okanagan, you you want a bit of a the wine culture. Uh, do I have to go for Oliver or Penticton? It's up to you. Oh, yeah, you know it's what? totally I'll, up to I'll, you. I'll, I'll go Penticton. All right. And then I need one more. Shouts yeah, to Carolina This Cameron. is your last pick, so you're rounding See, out your I, cities. I'm, I'm struggling here. Do I go Kootenays or do I go Island? That's the bait. That's, That's the debate. You know what, I'll go to Nanaimo. Nanaimo? Why not? Not, nice. big, not even Victoria? Nanaimo? Wait, wait, wait. Is, is Victoria too big? I thought Victoria was too big. No. Why would it be too big? Oh, okay. You could take Victoria. Nanaimo? Do I want a small town? Even if Victoria was ruled out, there's like a lot of other places yeah. that can over to Nanaimo. Sorry to everyone from Nanaimo right You could now. have gone Souk Smaller before town? Nanaimo. I don't know about that. Comox? Yeah. No. Nanaimo? You know what? Okay, sorry. I, I thought Victoria was off the table here. I'll go Victoria. Know. You're going Victoria. All right, yeah. That's a good choice. Okay. Training no camp destination, in case you haven't heard. <laughs> Training camp. <laughs> Shout out to Miniature World. Yeah. All right, so my last pick here. Uh, I'm going to go. This is tough. So I'm debating between Salt Spring and the Kootenays. Can I take the whole Kootenays, or I have to choose somewhere in the Kootenays? Oh. Choose. Okay. You I'll choose. choose. I'll take Nelson, then. Okay. Because I already Nelson? have an island destination. With That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Tofino. So I got Tofino, I got yeah. the Okanagan, and I got the Kootenays. I'll take Nelson. Love That's Nelson. That's strong. That's strong. Also, That's strong. you know, if you guys are like going to be like, well, what do you do in the winter? There's mountains close by, so don't we worry. You can hang out inside, too. Yeah, I can hang out inside, also. I don't, inside is so underrated. In, I, guys, <laughs> like 90% of the time, being inside is awesome. Jimmy Dodd. So good. Big inside. Shelter? Guy. Is yeah, he's an inside guy. <laughs> Shelter, turns out, from the elements is awesome. It's very, very good. Dom, wrap up the draft uh, here. I mean, I have to do it. Uh, rounding out the draft, I'm going Yoho National Park in Golden. Give me give, – I want to be close to the Rockies. I, like I want to be I like close it. to Lake Louise. Give me Yoho. I, I'm pro like a, a small town thing. That's why it was like – just somewhere like a – I'm shocked you didn't draft Chetwin. Again, that, that, that was – if, if we're doing honorable mentions and biggest omissions, I don't know. Chainsaw. Chainsaw. Yeah, we didn't. We Chainsaw didn't carving anywhere. capital of the world. We Chetwin? didn't hit anywhere in the north. And that's on you. I love a good Dawson Because you, you, you have the experience up Six there. Six years up there? You got to repre represent. Yeah. You're the only one here that paid your dues. But I got to say, uh, I, I dominated. Yeah, that's true. I dominated that draft. I don't know Tofino, Naramata, Nelson is elite. That's an elite core. You can build. A BC vacation itinerary. Sounds like a boomer's right dream. <laughs> a lot of inside time there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Let's go. A lot, a lot of, of R&R. inside time. A lot inside of relaxing guys. with my feet up. That was such a good reference. 650, 650. Uh, Quadra Island is awesome. Basketball I was debating. Film. I love the Gulf Islands. Yeah. Gulf Islands are elite. No doubt about it. It's a strong way. Oh, let's go. No way. <laughs> 
listener just walking by wearing a wall 80 jersey. That is tremendous. <laughs> the ultimate wall, wall guys. guys. That's great. Oh, unbelievable. Good stuff. Uh, this one, uh, 650-650. Uh, Kelowna to get drafted. Parksville, uh, Sunshine Coast, uh, you guys are t- doing this terrible. Uh, Harrison Hot Springs. By the way, that's Forest Wall jersey he was wearing. Forest yes. Wall. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, Qualcomm Beach in the summertime, I agree. If you're going to the island, Qualcomm Beach is uh, is good. Bowen Island. Bowen Island, you know what? I actually like Bowen Island yeah. quite a bit. It's like it's kind of not really a destination because yeah. it's so close, but it is lovely. It's really nice. Yeah. I love. The, I'm a big Sunshine Coast guy. Big Sunshine Coast. I've heard Victoria is really nice. <laughs> Jamie didn't get enough inside time during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? yeah. COVID was different. If you had young kids, COVID was different. It wasn't like this, like relaxing. You know, oh, hey, I'm just stuck inside all yeah. the time. It's like, I'm still super busy. <laughs> I'm still really busy. I could do with some just relaxing time at home at this point. Uh, before we're out here, uh, good stuff on the draft. Uh, 650, 650. Keep coming with your thoughts. Before oh we're gosh, out, though, I, I do want to touch on uh, NFL draft, or sorry, NFL schedule release yesterday, not the draft. Um, good stuff by all the social media accounts. Uh, some fantastic videos. Titans, I thought, uh, did fantastic. The Chargers is so good that you have to watch it like six times to catch up on all the things, all the little Easter eggs that they threw in there. Uh, big shout-out to the Chargers. Uh, some good ones. Uh, but just actually looking at the schedule, some teams I'm actually kind of concerned about, the way the schedule breaks down. We, o- we always know the teams, but the order in which it goes, I think, is really important because – if you have a, a tough schedule, but it comes at the back end, mm-hmm. look, you can accumulate some wins, vibes are good, confidence helps a big to get one more result. But if you start with a tough schedule, you can be an exciting team. But if you're playing from behind, one and four, suddenly seeds of doubt get, start creeping in. So a couple of teams I'm worried about with the way the schedule went, and this is great for you, Don. Don't say Jets. No, because this is great because you have that Chicago Bears bet. Oh, yeah, I do. I'm a little concerned for the Detroit Lions. Very good. Look, they start with the Kansas City Chiefs. They start then with the Seahawks. The Falcons is a little bit easier, but the Falcons are going to be explosive offense. Then they go Packers, Panthers. Like that's that is a tough start. And the Panthers the Packers, are better. Than, we don't know yet. The, the, the Panthers are better than people realize. Mm. The Packers that that's institutional success. Like that's a sneaky tough start. And they they also play the Ravens then uh, shortly thereafter after a game with the Buccaneers. That's for a team that's getting a lot of buzz. And started to slide a little bit because of the draft. They didn't necessarily maximize positional value in the draft. I'd be a little bit worried if I'm a Detroit Lions backer this year. To start with the Chiefs, Seahawks, Packers, and Ravens in the front part of your schedule. That's tough. That that's that's sneaky tough. The Lions do feel a little bit like they might be the team that's like hype a year too this early. Year. Like the gonna, Devils last year. Yeah, like they're gonna fall down, but then next season yeah. they'll be ready to really take that uh, that big step forward. The other one. Sorry, Dom. New York Jets. Bills you just have it out for no. Look, look at the start of the schedule. Bills, Cowboys. So you, you, Josh Allen. You play Dak Prescott, best quarterback in the NFC. Just a couple overrated QBs. Patriots, institutional success, uh. divisional game. That's always tough. You get the Chiefs. And by Chiefs the way, is tough. you play the Patriots before you play the Chiefs, so that's a look ahead spot. Throw in the Broncos, which. Sean Payton's coming back. How are they going to start? Oh, that Pats but, game at home. But then you play the Eagles. Like that's a 
that's a tough start to the season. Chargers also uh, shortly thereafter as well. That's a tough start to the season, man. I'd be concerned. I'd be concerned. Those well, are the two. Like, if well, those games get spread out, different. What but are your Jets' expectations? This Super Bowl. Year. Super Bowl. Super Bowl or bust. Oh, like the Super Bowl win? Super Bowl yeah. win. Super Bowl win. Yeah. Super Bowl win. Yeah. Woo! Well, oh, no, when you, when you acquire Aaron Rodgers, like, and it's a short-term thing, and the only expectation, the only goal is Super Bowl. If you come close, you don't um, – you don't cheese that that goal. It's you, a failure. I'm not now. I'm not asking to like take a shot here. I'm genuinely asking. Do you think they have a Super Bowl roster? Yes. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. I mean, they showed last year they had the defense. They just didn't have the offensive acumen to put it together. I, I will say again, the back end of the schedule though looks soft, a lot different. Obviously, yeah. it's it's Raiders, it's Texans, it's Commanders are thrown in there. Red um, Stallions, Week Red Thirteen. Stallions. By the way, the inbox blew up. Just in the last like few minutes with uh, oh yeah uh, vacation estimations <laughs> BC vacation <laughs> estimations should we do a couple here yeah we can go through it. so somebody a lot of people are reacting to uh, our reaction to Nanaimo saying wow Nanaimo really took a hit on this one that's from Ryan on the road but Fish Dancer says the Nanaimo hate has got to stop it's got the river the ocean Mount Benson the people who hate on Nanaimo are the ones that drive through it it's a gem yeah so there you go Fish Dancer's on. Uh, on your page. I mean, that's true. Like, I remember, the only time I've ever spent time in Nanaimo is driving through it from the ferry terminal or, like, at a basketball tournament in high school. That's it. So, maybe it is. Maybe I, it I wouldn't is mind a gem. quiet. Okay, I'll, I'll try to diversify. So, I went for the... What would the Bic Nazar Nanaimo vacation look like? Like, what's on the itinerary? I, I think is I'm, like, I'm, like, not a great vacation person. Because if I'm, like, holiday solo... Um, what does that mean? I'm shocked. I like time off, but like I, I'm kind of like Jamie. I enjoy time inside. Yeah, I enjoy like my. I, I it doesn't necessarily need to be Nanaimo. Like I'm gonna be able to do what I want in. You just want to go somewhere else, Greece. You yeah, know, like I just want to be away from yeah. everyone here. I, when I picture Bic on vacation, it's a laptop, some kind of sunny destination, spreadsheets, peace. No, that's the ferry. Like as soon as I get to the destination, then like the you unplug. Yeah. I'm pretty good at them. Like, I was going to go on holiday last year. I was going to go to Spain, uh, Tenerife, and uh, I pulled out at the last minute. I was like, what am I going to go across the world just to read books? It's like, I can just read books on my balcony. And so I just, like, I chilled out. The logic there is flawless. By the yeah. way, somebody also accu has accused of a, us of disrespecting Surrey by not selecting it. And we said it was outside of the lower mainland. Well, but it's not a vacation also destination. Also, it wouldn't be, be selected anyways. Nobody's like, I'm going to Surrey who, on vacation. Who from the lower mainland? If you missed this part of the draft, it's a lower mainland Destination draft, but even who's who from the lower mainland is driving an hour down the road? Be like, but also, holiday, even outside. And this is not a knock on Surrey. If you live outside the lower mainland, you're not like I'm going to Surrey for vacation. Yeah. You're like I'm going to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's I could say the same thing. You're like you wouldn't be like I'm going to North Van on vacation. That's not how it works. They're not they're not vacation destinations in and of themselves. Once they didn't build that uh, sixty thousand foot stadium. Yes. Now, hey, if they had done that, yeah. then you're bringing in the tourists. Yeah. Then you are bringing in the tourists. Uh, absolutely. As as a resident of Surrey, let me tell you, it's uh, it's not a it's not a vacation. Again, Dent, for the people texting in, nobody picked Vancouver. It's a draft for people living yeah. in Vancouver yeah. in the lower mainland. In the lower mainland, you can't choose. I I would have picked Coquitlam first overall. Man. I get staycationing, but that's not the point of the draft. Where, where would staycation have actually been on the draft? Oh, low down. As much as I joke, because yeah. you got to get like I do love just staying inside on vacation yes. sometimes. But, but like the energy of your own house, you exactly. got to get out. You got to get out. Can't be like, oh, I should really do the dishes, or like, no, no, no. You got to like. No, get I think staycation is like go to a hotel locally, or oh, sure, go sure. downtown. That's different. That's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
Uh, I enjoy that. Some but praise it would for still be lower pick? on my list. Nelson? Yeah. Yeah. People like my Nelson pick. Yeah. Christina Lake is nice. Somebody's all over uh, your Euclulet pick. Jeremy from Mount Pleasant. Euclulet, hands down, best vacation destination in BC. Just beautiful. There you go. Jeremy from Mount Pleasant is uh, is all on it for you, Dom. I've been once. It's quite nice. Good coffee, good baked goods. They have a good bakery in Yuki. Good bakery. Uh, six fifty. Man, you're right. It it, it, totally it really blew, blew up. It, what? We, oh, a Soyuz wasn't one. Yeah, no one picked Soyuz. Soyuz is a good one. Canada's hotspot. Yeah. Wine country. There's the thing is, there's a lot of the whole Okanagan. Really strong. Yeah, in that part of the interior, wine country, the Okanagan. There's a lot of strong options, right? Mm -hmm. So you're you know, it's it's hard to distinguish between them. Is what I would say. I was I was surprised. Uh, I, I thought Whistler was consensus number one, and, and you were like, "Oh, I'm gonna get a steal at number uh, two. Somebody. So did. if you had first pick, you still would have taken Tofino. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh wow, hundred percent. I should have traded down. You should have. Somebody told me. Uh, <laughs> somebody texted in that uh, Dodd's opinion on Whistler is about as bad as Drance's take on the Canucks skate jersey because he hates <laughs> the black skate jersey. <laughs> that lines up. We're bo both hating on iconic, beloved things. In the skate is jersey and Whistler. Although I ha I do have some love coming in for Whistler. The knock on Whistler, that. the knock on Whistler is the Sea of Sky. I forget. I think it was two weekends ago. Four-hour yeah. delay on the Sea of Sky. Yeah. That can ruin a trip. Right there. Hey, that launched my career because I worked at that station. Mountain That's, FM. Yeah. Rogers Property. And uh, not launched my career, but I worked there. Uh, and so it's like when people are stuck, it's great for me because now I can be like, do yeah. whatever I want. <laughs> You're all stuck listening to me because I'm going to give you roads and weather, but also <laughs> let's talk about something. <laughs> let's great. talk about the NFL draft. <laughs> I get isolated. <laughs> I audience. love the safety from East Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> love my friends over at Mountain FM. Uh, all right, Pick Nazar and Jamie Dodd here. It's been fantastic. A two-hour edition of the People Show. Catch it on the podcast. If you're not already subscribed, I always appreciate when you subscribe, smashing those five-star reviews as well. We don't mind what you say. Just uh, hit five stars. Always appreciate that. Uh, subscribe to the other pods as well. Canucks Central, Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance, Merrick Show, PDO Cast, and Halford and Bruff as well. We will make way for Tyler Zickel, who's on the other side. With Canadians Baseball on Sportsnet 650, Vancouver Canadians taking on the Everett Aqua Sox here at Rogers Field at Nat Bailey Stadium. Come on by. It's been a blast. Nooner at the Nat next here on Sportsnet 650.